0: welcome everybody welcome back to the podcast this is uh, Fong Tran today I have a special guest with me his name is Depanji
1: Hi Fong how, hey, how are you doing yeah I'm, I'm doing good and pretty well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. so uh, yeah you're a, you're a scientist uh, you're studying what are you studying again I just want to know a little bit about your uh, project.
1: Yeah, I'm into my doctoral program in University of Eastern Finland. And I'm researching about this current uh, human vision or human perception uh, stuff and how we integrate this human perception to this augmented and virtual reality. So for example, like this augmented and virtual reality headsets, the engineers are trying to optimize the parameters every time, but they, they doesn't fit the human vision. And the main problem that we are investigating is that whether we can find the correct uh, human parameters which are actually required for these human vision devices. You might yes. have heard about some kind of uh, devices like Oculus and uh, everything HTC. They are making yeah. the products in the market looking so fancy and beautiful. but. Uh, actually when the humans are using it and actually the users for different cases when they're using it they're actually not getting the uh, amount of information and there are some problems related to that for example if you wear the headset for long hours you will have this uh, nausea and discomfort feeling which will actually create some problems uh, in the long term's use so we are here actually in University of Eastern Finland we, and with our humor partners So humor is basically this human optimized XR, which is actually having, we are having a project which is uh, looking into the different uh, spheres of this mismatch between the technology and the human senses. So we are making a standard for the industry, maybe a de facto standard you can tell for the industry to accept those parameters. So, so that they can push, to the products and the companies can learn actually how to fit the human senses, yes. or make yes. a match between the human senses and the and the computer vision devices. So now uh, we are moving ahead in this program to uh, make uh, some some of the parameters. We are testing all those devices uh, in the market and we are making a match out of it. So let's okay. see how we okay. can do it. So this is the Great. this is the way we are approaching right now.
0: You said something about uh, parameters. Uh, you're talking about what kind of parameters are you talking about? I'm talking about the the senses. Is that the parameters that you're that you're mentioning? Okay, so
1: in the in case of the senses, I mean to say that the sense of the vision, so it actually comes from the display. Uh, basically, uh, our partners and us, for example, the display is one of those areas where we are working, and the parameters that we are optimizing, and whether this resolution of the display actually is fitting the exact or the field of view you can see is exactly fitting the human vision. So this is one of the parameters and our other partners and in Helsinki, we have psychology team who is looking into the cyber sickness side and quality of experience. This quality of experience is quite important in the sense that uh, if you if you don't have or if you don't know about this quality of experience by different users, then Uh, it's difficult to predict those parameters. So it can be in the form of the display, or it might be in the form of the interaction uh, inside of using those devices.
0: So the quality of experience you're talking about, um, so these uh, VR headsets, right? They're right now, what are the maximum resolutions that they could display?
1: Actually in the market, we have seen uh, some maximum resolution, but but still there are trade-offs between what you are talking about. Basically, there are companies who claim that the FOV, that is the horizontal FOV for this type of displays is more than like 100 degrees or 100 uh, something degrees. I don't remember the numbers right now, but yeah. the main yeah. thing is that is it filling the human eye or when yes. it is filling the human eye, then what is the limit of that? So yes. actually, we are, we are actually finding out the limit of uh, filling the human eye and what sort of like maximum FOVs we can actually take into account so that yes. there will be no other problems related to that.
0: And this quality of experience um, that you're speaking of, does this have anything to do with the refresh rate of the monitors? Um,
1: of course, so this is, these are some parameters which are already connected to the display part. And yes. uh, these, these are the things which actually create the nausea. For example, you are making a computer on the head or the computer simulated device on the head. And if it doesn't match your, uh, the fl- uh, th- there is a problem called flicker. So if it doesn't match with the perception of the eye or the how the eye is percepting that, then there will be a problem uh, or there should should be a problem for the long-term use. So this flicker actually controls about this uh, refresh rate and all. they are all uh, connected in that sense.
0: So do you know like what is the um, state of the art or what is the current um idea of what the refresh rate that the human eye could actually take in i think it's something like 24 isn't it 24 frames per second that's what they use for television isn't it
1: yeah i think it's uh it's it's more towards nowadays the displays are are kind of more than 90 hertz or something so in that sense i would say it, it ranges between 90 hertz to 120 hertz so so the the requirements have changed nowadays
0: yeah. So, does the uh, is the human eye actually able to pick up those differences between the the signals, or is is it just uh, Because I know from the video game industry, the yeah. refresh rates when you're increasing them over sixty hertz, it's mostly yeah. for it's mostly for the input um, latency or like. Yeah, I know. think
1: I think that's that's one of the challenges that to uh, to pick up this correct refresh rate so uh, so this is this is one of the areas where uh, where also some teams are working so what will be what will be that and uh, then with that refresh rate uh, if you can play the video games for hours then that's the main challenge like, like how much how much time you want to or if if you play the video games for like four or five hours then what is the changes that you have
0: very interesting so yeah. the goal is basically to hit 24 hours i'm i guessing
1: yeah it's it's not that goal of eating 24 hours because uh, people have something else to do also other than- <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you know like in the future um do you expect that vr will be a huge thing in people's lives and it would be replacing television screens and computer screens all together or
1: of course, we we use the term called uh, like uh, not only VR, but we use the term like AR, VR, MR, and the umbrella which is called the XR. So, I want to emphasize on them separately. Like, uh, so nowadays we are mainly focused on this XR technology which takes into account all this AR, VR, and MR. So, it will yeah. be the part of our life. Uh, maybe next five years will be completely we can think about after five years we can replace the smartphones to uh, these these technologies and why not. And we are using these smart smart devices like smart watches and now there has been a study that whether we can replace those smart watches to these uh, ultimate uh, XR devices. So and... the, uh, the roadmap is to use these devices for long term and replace the existing devices like smartphones yeah, and very smart
0: and can you break down what is xr what is ar vr and mr okay. what are the so, differences so let
1: me let me just divide it into very simple terms for so that everybody can understand about that so in in, in layman terms what is these uh, these uh, common definitions like if you talk about this virtual reality stuff so it is just the computer generated graphics uh, maybe in the form of sound video and audio so it's uh, And in this case, you just just see in front of your eyes with a display system, but your eyes are completely blocked from the real uh, scenario. You cannot interact with the real scenario in that case. So you only have a computer in front of your head and then you're looking into the graphics only. So the motion perception and everything is blocked. For the okay. AR case, uh, in addition to these graphics, you are projecting it to the real world scene. For example, you have uh, seen these snapshots and this Pokemon Go type, uh, this type of stuff. So when you yes. are making this, um, uh, for example, if you are making some kind of like uh, plans for your house, like furniture or something, so there are some AR apps in the market which You can actually project, for example, you can project your virtual uh, like furniture on the real scene, like real room. So in that case, uh, that's augmented reality. So you are projecting a virtual device on the real world scene. So that's augmenting the virtual device on the real world scene. And in case of the XMR uh, technology, it's the mix between the two. For example, if the same device can switch between the two technologies like AR or VR and has a mix of both, like we have some products in the market like Magic Leap, and, which can actually work both like an AR and VR devices. And uh, we actually call them as mixed reality devices. And then uh, you have a term called extended reality, which is just like an, acts like an umbrella to every others. Like if you take AR, VR, MR, then XR will be the umbrella of all those, taking into account all those kind of video, audio and other parameters. Okay. So that's the main difference between these technologies and the so-called fancy term XR, which acts as the umbrella of these uh, AR, VR and MR technologies
0: yes so what exactly can you exactly explain your um, research and what exactly it is in a specific uh, sense that you guys are working on
1: okay so uh, we have a team of four universities in finland and uh, we have some companies also uh, collaborating in the project so uh, the the, the role that i'm playing as uh, is basically on the display side so we are we are kind of measuring all those display devices or the headsets available And then we are going to measure some parameters from those displays. And we will see that whether this parameter will be fitting the current requirement of this XR, that means taking into account all these technologies. And then we will also have some user cases, like for example, uh, if the display is comfortable to do it, this is one of the parameters. And then we will take another parameters like, for example, if uh, some worker is working in the factories then is it possible that he can read the instructions carefully in the comfortable manner and uh, for example using uh, microsoft Horizons or something so uh, what are the other other parameters that he should need to work in the factory environment so different use cases we are yeah. looking through
0: so what are some of the parameters some are like safety comfortability uh, long-term usability uh, yeah and,
1: and and other stuffs are like wh- what is the what should be the uh, like uh, resolution resolution is the main key and the parameters like mtf so mtf is the modulation transfer function of any device so by by looking at the mtf data you can actually uh, see or you can actually predict that uh, many other parameters derive from that
0: do you guys have any uh, solutions to what are the resolutions that the human eye is capable of taking in right now?
1: We are preparing uh, for some models. And then we already have some data that uh, maybe maybe the main thing, uh, main issues here is the modeling of the human eye, which is very, it's a, it's a time taking thing. And we have some uh, ideas that whether, if we have to fit that into human vision, that what are the display parameters we should take?
0: So right now, the industry standard is about 4K, I would say. Um, Yeah,
1: kind of. Uh, And then it's going to 8K and 16K as well.
0: Do you think that the eye is capable of taking in those uh, resolutions like 16K resolutions at such a short distance and would it make any difference? What do you think?
1: that remains to be seen i cannot say anything right now but but it will be a problem to integrate those resolutions in the human eye so that that is the challenge that i think uh, we we will see and practically speaking i uh, i have no idea right now without investigating that what will be the challenges so we we will completely cannot say right now that whether they will be integrated or in what sense but I think uh, later on we will see some sort of uh, improvements in the displays.
0: Does, so the, the depth uh, perception is uh, already kind of implemented into these VR headsets using the the double what um, is it? Bi bifocal, bifocal. Yeah, I
1: think yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah. I saw some patents from Facebook and other other related references where they're talking about this multifocal displays, but. Yeah, there there are some kind of improvements with uh, some uh, some geometric phase optical elements used in those devices. So you can switch the polarization states and also the depth. Uh, there, there are still improvements uh, going on, and and some of the technologies like uh, this uh, SLAM and all are working in the in these headsets. But still, my work is not related to changing the depths. But at some point, if we can. Do the real optical design of these systems, then uh, if there is a possibility to integrate those devices, then it's possible to have this multifocal uh, thing also.
0: That's some interesting stuff. Yeah. So you said that we're going to, we possibly could be like taking out the smartphone and the smartwatches and everything like that in the next few years
1: yeah yeah there is a there is a higher chance of shifting these devices so in that sense uh, the the whole world is now is looking towards that so we are predicting we can't say for sure but but we will see in future
0: what are the top um, companies that are working on these devices right now where should uh, the viewers be looking for these devices to be coming out of
1: yeah, I think I would rather uh, say that all the tech giants like Facebook, Google and uh, other companies are trying and also the Finnish startup companies are and some some OEM companies and startup companies are actually trying to make these uh, products for these type of headsets. So so we have a lot of boom in Finland actually to push this uh, AR market up to a very more flourished market in, in, in technology. So we are actually trying to push our startups to up to a high level so that they can compete with the tech giants as well. And, uh, but there are big names in the in the industry right now.
0: So what are you, what are your thoughts about the uses of VR? And what, what are the, do you have any ideas of what future uses for VR that are exciting and interesting in the next five years?
1: I think uh, about the technology terms use. Uh, everything will be shifted to like more kind of uh, standalone devices with uh, all those uh, properties integrated. To it. it's, it's not going to be only VR, but it's the amalgam of all things like you yes. can call it like an XR. I so
0: think... I would
1: say that uh, I, I would leave to my other peers also like there should be one standalone device that can control everything like it can switch between the modes. And eventually, here the one of the best things is the now the, which are coming. The two terms is like haptics, the use of haptics and interacting with the devices. It's 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 now possible with the te- with this type of haptic technology that's also coming in. So people are using those gloves, but in future I can see that there will be some pasteable like uh, skin electronics, which can actually have those interactions. So we we actually can interact with the virtual object. We can feel the texture of those, and then we can eventually communicate through those devices. And uh, maybe in future, I don't know, maybe they can be used for temperature monitoring or maybe daily activities, maybe emails. So there are separate, separate voice guidance. So sound is also playing a beautiful role in sensing those environments and who knows about these uh, training facilities uh, they might be converted finally to these XR environments because um, you can remotely train more than 100 uh, 200 100 people at one time but the yeah. main problem there is uh, use of these GPUs and uh, it's limited by the use of these uh, storages but uh, who knows if you have a company and if you want to train 100 people at the same time Uh, sitting remotely somewhere it's possible through this technology and who knows uh, in the near future you can also control your uh, labs uh, working from Canada in Finland wow and we have us we also have these smart lab solutions by Professor Pasi Wahima who is actually working here in University of Eastern Finland so he has developed his own lab smart lab and his concept is like uh we can control the lab from our office space so in future you never know that we can control that
0: yeah so this is uh i think this is a huge movement into the future for all of all of the technologies right um i think everything's going remote with the integration of like worldwide wi-fi i think that's another technology as well right
1: yes so to support this this type of xr in the future there also talks about uh, this 6g and involvement of the 6g technologies and we have also heard in the news about the china launching the 6g satellite so Six uh, G. It, yes so in the news there ha- has been also that they have used this 6g technology for launching the satellites to the
0: space what are the improvements of 6g over 5g
1: yeah, I think it's, uh, it's always this uh, band, bandwidth of the spectrums that, uh, that that is one of the things. Uh, of course, uh, there are I don't know much about 6G, but still there has been research in the University of Oulu in Finland. So we are all on the same platform. So to integrate all this 6G and this AR and VR, it's, it's quite challenging. But for the near future, I will say that all these technologies will come into play in one platform. Wow. So it's a kind of interesting thing for the next generation uh, devices and the next generation uh, stuff that's coming in. Next yeah.
0: Year. And you said something about haptics. Um, you said pasteable, yes. pasteable electronic and skin, what is it, skin electronics?
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's some sort of uh, sensors that are fixed to your joints of the fingers. And then you are moving your fingers Uh, in the space, so uh, that will calculate the shift of your joints. And then you will be able to uh, paste this type of uh, skins on the tips of your hand so that you can uh, actually generate some kind of feedback to the sensors. And then you can also integrate that to the AR and VR technology. So the current work has been going on uh, on this haptics for, for since World War, where people have been flying planes. And now in every devices that you're using, like smartphones, you are getting some kind of if you if you double tap your uh, smart home, then you get some vibration Uh, in in some kind of smartphones like Apple, you have a haptic engine that's actually worked with this haptic technology and and in, in, in every other devices, you receive some kind of resistance or feedback then that's that's the use of the haptics so we are using every day the haptics but without realizing it
0: wow and most of this technology is going to be integrated through mostly glasses is that what we're looking at right now is it glasses
1: yeah actually maybe uh, may, they are more 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 interactive when they are putting on the hands for example nowadays the people have been used these hands to uh, hold any virtual device uh, in, the, in the platform and the virtual environment. So integrating them to the hands is quite good because then you your fingers can move and also you can feel with the help of this technology that you are touching or you are feeling the rain falling or something in the virtual environment. So wow. basically the hands uh, and, and, and in some sorts, maybe the displays also because uh, you are touching the displays and basically the sense of the haptics comes from this tactile sensation and the touch that you are receiving uh, when you are touching the smart devices. And eventually you can interact with the device and you can construct your own virtual world and then you can try haptics and VR and AR headsets to uh, take uh, participation or interact in the virtual world, keeping the mind that you are in the real world doing something else.
0: So are we looking are we looking at mostly we're looking at mostly like gloves and some rings or something like that. And you said skin pastes.
1: Yeah, so, 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 yeah, something some some of the sensors are pastable. Also, Uh, you can actually paste those underneath your skin or maybe over the skin. So they can actually monitor the parameters or maybe it's better to make them paste on your tips of the hand because your hands are actually touching uh, and also the fingers.
0: And what do you mean by pasting? Is like a, it's like a liquid where you can just keep pasting it every day or does it come off? Or...
1: Uh, okay, so the pasting means to paste the electronics on the top surface of your hand or top surface of your finger. So it, it's not pasting it permanently but you can make a, like something uh, called uh, pasteable actuators or sensors you can you can try to open them up if you like so it's better that you paste them in the gloves and then wear the gloves itself so something Uh, like that
0: okay and um yeah how, how did you get into this type of research and what uh Yeah, what brought you into this type of research?
1: Okay, so during my master's program in the University of Eastern Finland, I was introduced to the typical optical design lessons. And there was one guy from uh, one of those startup companies who came here to give us a talk about this uh, optical design. And then he introduced us, okay, there is an interesting topic to work on that people are using these AR devices, so would you like to work and improve the efficiency of those devices? And I said, why not? And then I started uh, doing my master's thesis on this topic and uh, tried to mm, make a knowledge of of this technology. So I I designed my AR system, which actually means that I made a high efficiency light engine for these AR projectors or devices. So in that sense, uh, it was challenging for me to get into the area of this uh, augmented reality stuff from the beginning of my, uh, like end of my master's and getting into the research. So I I have done the related research in AR, high efficiency engine manufacturing design. And then I have jumped into another field of like making the displays uh, for smartphones. And then I'm switching off again to this, these interesting human sense parameters which are required for these type of displays or the devices to work with.
0: Is there anything else you would like to share about the AR, VR, XR?
1: Yeah, I think uh, this technology, if it's used for the long term, then I would say that there are some improvements in making the form factor of these devices quite smaller so that if you fit it like a smart glass or maybe like a frame or maybe in future, there are some companies who are trying these uh, smart lenses as well. So the miniaturization will be the goal of this technology and uh, The next thing will be to make these devices fit for human vision and and understanding the psychology of human senses to integrate with those. And engineers actually should understand about these uh, senses. That's the main goal of the idea of my project currently. Because engineers, they try to optimize the parameters without understanding the human uh, parameters which are actually required. So in that sense we are working with a team of psychology we are working with a team of computing and me myself as an optical engineer or optical designer you will say is integrating with all of those people or collaborating with all of those people to make a change wow
0: and um what are the psychological um limits and what do you know any of the psychological um parameters that needs to be washed out for um, what do you mean, and what do you mean by psychology
1: Yeah, to me, uh, to me, the psychology means uh, to understand about some kind of FOB, the field of view related stuff. Like for Uh, example, uh. I mean to specify the cognitive science behind it, rather than uh, to make the optical science. So the cognitive science is the science of perception. For example, what kind of effects that is have on some parts of our brain. So to me, uh, to understand from the psychology is that maybe neuroscience is the best term to describe about the understanding of this cognitive science. So to me, to understand about this cognitive science is one of those parts that uh, we should also learn from those neuroscientists uh, who are working uh, in this team. So in that sense, we are actually understanding the behavioral sciences uh, and the uh, and the kind of changes that we will have after fitting those devices on the head. So for example, some kind of psychological changes might happen in different users. So for that, we have to actually look into these uh, several parameters like SSQs, which are these simulator sickness questionnaires. So for that, we need to uh, actually see or discuss these things with number of users and then we have to actively participate the psychology and the behavioral science
0: and the psychology you're talking about like user interfacing is that what it is is like where these images show up and how they look and how they it's kind of like the haptics of the visual in a way right
1: yes so in that sense uh, I can say that uh, where the images are formed and how the images are interpreted so that is the main thing for example the image is formed in the the retina and this it's uh, and is percepted by the human vision the rods and the cones so we don't know actually that what amount of uh, these uh, intensity cells or these color the, the cells which respond to those colors are actually responding or is there some something we can do about this perception that uh, that can change completely for example uh, when you are using this uh, stereoscopic vision devices then uh, you have to keep in mind that the mainly the fusion of both the eyes and the vision is done by your brain. So you have you are tricking your brain actually with the help of your parameters. So in that sense, it's quite important to look into the psychology also.
0: All right, and. Um... How is it that you guys are going to commercialize these products?
1: Yeah, I think uh, for the commercialization, we can actually push the parameters to the industry and make, make like a document that the industry people can go through.
0: So all of this research will be um, provided free to anyone that wants to use it. Is that how it goes? Uh,
1: it, de- it, it totally depends that if the, the, the participating partners decide to do that, uh, as an uh, open, open de facto standard, then it goes to the, the those companies who are actually manufacturing it, and it depends on them. They will release uh, that, and wow. and, and uh, to whom. So we are only the researching about the parameters, but it totally depends on the companies and and the participating partners.
0: Do you want to go a little bit about um, your background, uh, who you are, and? How you got into physics in the first place and then how you got into, you know, school uh, okay. doing this research?
1: Yeah, that's, an, uh, that's a pretty, pretty, pretty long story and pretty uh, long background. I will explain you about that. So I'm an Indian student who actually studied first his uh, child education in high school in India. After my high school, I was quite interested in those uh, electronic stuff. Uh, and then I completed my Bachelor of Science in Electronics. And then I, um, I was thinking that whether to go for the Masters or doing something else or do something deep in the electronics as well. Then, suddenly, during my lectures in physics, uh, basic physics in, in Bachelors of Science, I understood that uh, okay. There is an interesting branch of science that's coming up that's optics and optoelectronics why not to take uh, another bachelor's degree and understand the basics of that yeah. uh, so i i kept uh, kept my path on that and then uh, i completed another bachelor's in optics and optoelectronics which actually paved me a path to apply for an international master's program in university of eastern finland and then uh, i was selected as a master's student here and it was it, it was pretty amazing for me to uh, have a journey from a third world country to a first world country where the people are actively uh, participating in the research activities there is a kind of difference between the two so for me the the thing that was important so my vision was first uh, to come to this uh, this physics when i was studying this uh, optics and optoelectronics and later i i saw that the whole world is blind without a subject called photonics because the the photonics is uh, basically the science of light uh, and the photons but uh, we also need to understand about this light-matter interaction that happens because of those photons and different kinds of materials. So in, in that sense, uh, this gave me a path to step into uh, this uh, beautiful uh, part of the physics, and that's photonics. And then I continued my vision towards the completion of my master's degree. And the master's program here in Europe are so diverse and so engaging that they also allow you to do many stuffs or try many interesting topics together. And I think I met Phong in Daisy. In yes. uh, summer 2017, and we were <laughs> in the joint summer program, and yes, we, we were, were uh, actually uh, I met from in one parties,
0: <laughs> and, <laughs> and parties.
1: then uh, we, we started <laughs> of uh, science and everything. So we had a daily life in base. Also, oh, you yeah. guys actually made me so much like. Uh, interesting and uh, and to talk about both science and uh, and the living together was kind of interesting with you guys so actually yeah. i learned learn more about uh, the insights of the physics when i was in daisy in the detective group though i worked with the electronic stuff and I, I, as i have the uh, <laughs> background of electronics but but it was a mix of all and i, I I, I, I'm really thankful for my Daisy friends and uh, and all those who actually gave me an idea. And because of this, this podcast is happening. That now Fong is trying to integrate all those people in his podcast. So it's it's kind of interesting in that sense.
0: Yeah, for sure. And because like I think that everybody has their own kind of uh, their own paths and their own. Um... their own own things that they are working on right and everybody's interesting and working on these crazy projects that really the general public doesn't really have access to this kind of information and i just found that yeah i just found that kind of gap in the in what people know and what people are doing so here we are, from Daisy. Yeah, to... I, think, I
1: think you are doing a great job to integrate scientists or integrate uh, software developers, engineers, or whoever there are. There might be some persons from the literature and maybe from other fields as well uh, in future. Who knows? But yes, uh, for but, sure. but but you are you are really doing great uh, job, and I would like to thank Fong Tran for opening up this channel and uh, giving me an opportunity to speak about uh, beautiful beautiful part of the science that that we are doing so thank you for your beautiful invitation
0: yes of course thank you for being part of it i kind of want to get a little bit actually more into the what your ideas are of the futures of these technologies is that okay
1: yeah, I think um, I think these te- these technologies are uh, I think they are quite interrelated. I would say that they they are quite integrated in the sense that each and every technology that uh, the current generation is doing, I think that that's uh, uh, that's a part of our life, and uh, I think this this will carry on. Like for example, nowadays I'm hearing about integrating this artificial intelligence and super intelligence terms uh, yes. in, in in such devices also, and that's kind of interesting thing and that will move on from here who knows for next 10 years we will be all uh, using the uh, devices with this uh, technology and eventually the cameras that we are using right now is having this ai technology you will you are able to sense those or scan those devices uh, in in the same way you are using Uh, some kind of uh, data sciences, that's also very important. So you are playing with the data, different data, and then you are doing this machine learning, deep learning and all those stuff and integrating the technology. So I think these technologies will, uh, will be kind of like in the platinum position for a long time.
0: What are your thoughts on technologies like Neuralink, where they're actually implementing it straight into your body? Um, do you think that ar and vr are going to go in that direction as well
1: uh, i i don't think so right now we are in a plan to do that but uh, who knows if they are converting it to only a lens rather than using spectacles so i'm wondering that in future that there will be no such thing called glasses but maybe lenses or maybe integrated human devices like you said about this neural link because the kind of audio that these devices were set it can be also done by linking those with the different kinds of uh, like hearing aids uh, integrated to the inner part of the ear so who knows I think that this uh, this miniaturization will uh, make a path but uh, right now in next five years I don't think they will completely replace but there is a chance in the future that everything will be integrated to the, the body itself like human brain or something
0: do you think that there's a problem with that um, of course there will be like... a problem
1: because whenever you are integrating with the, any foreign objects in the human body that's that will create some kind of uh, like they are foreign bodies in the in the in the human system so they will uh, how how they will be percepted or how they will be accepted is is the is a challenging thing
0: yeah um Do you think there's any, like, moral kind of uh, problems with that? Uh, Like, the morality of these foreign objects? I know that a lot of people are kind of scared to put these objects into their body, and the general public is not really willing, or they're kind of scared to accept these things um, in their lives, I would say.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's that's a good question actually, because because actually people uh, don't try to uh, take a technology that will be harmful for their bodies. But uh, if that body can, uh, if that uh, like device can get some approval from the medical fields, then why not? So people can try. If someone is like getting deaf, and if this neural link can uh, make their uh, like hearing properly, then why not? if it's accepted or if it's made to the public that it's approved, medically approved device, then then I think there is a chance to getting it accepted to the normal public. But but yeah, there is a chance that people can get scared, of course.
0: What about privacy issues with um, all these haptics and reading your body signatures? Are there any problems with privacy? I feel like the, there are going to be huge um problems with privacy, such as, you know, reading all of your signatures, right?
1: uh it depends it depends then uh, then the device had to be made like a biometric proof or something in the near future like uh, it's okay that they are using your uh eye tracking or something which is integrated to this device as well so eye tracking is one of those parts that i uh, didn't mention during my talk because i was focused on something else so eye tracking is one of the things that that uh, gives you a signature of, of, of your body so for example they can scan your retina or something Then, then i think the Privacy can also be locked in some sense, but uh, still nowadays the devices they don't have these capabilities to do that. But uh, the near future maybe.
0: Kind of like how like the smartphones right now are capturing fingerprint information, but they're not really easy to access. As like let's say a hacker would want to take your fingerprint
1: yeah 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 that's agreeable but I don't know much about this uh, this privacy stuff so I have to really look into this but but it's quite interesting to look into the privacy stuff because uh, there are hundreds of users and then if your if your personal data gets access over the internet then it's it's not good
0: for sure uh, what is it that you guys want to um, accomplish? And after the project is complete, what are your goals? And where did you want to
1: go? Actually, we we are planning to put these uh, these de facto standards in future to the, to make for the companies to understand that these parameters will be actually required for these devices and. Uh, they should, they should actually accept those, uh, depending on the research activities that we will do during the duration of the project. And uh, this, this is also a part of my doctoral thesis that I will, uh, I'm now continuing that, uh, whether I can make uh, some kind of parameters from my research and integrate to this, uh, from this project and then we can move forward regarding this uh, technology very
0: interesting stuff
1: it's interesting and thank you so much for uh su- asking me so many questions related to it. though i'm still learning
0: yeah for sure like uh i think everybody uh, is always learning um nobody's really the expert uh unless you're very very much the experts right
1: yeah so i think that everybody should uh, kind of engage in these type of platforms uh, it's good that uh, to speak out loud about what you are doing and and the people to know about that uh, yeah it's 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 kind of an interesting research that we are making here You
0: said that we're going to be using these uh, devices in the next five years. I actually think that we're going to be using these devices in the next five years as well. And integrating this with all the coming technologies, such as like, you know, like you said, artificial intelligence, machine learning and all that. Where do you see like the future of, I don't know, you said remote access to jobs and stuff, right? With the coronavirus and everything. I think that we're pushing towards remote everything. Where do you see the future of jobs and, you know, how we're going to be able to access these? Um, okay.
1: Yeah, yeah that's, an, that, that's an interesting part of the question, because, uh, for example, nowadays, the companies that tech giants are actually recruiting people from uh, remotely also. So these devices can be actually uh, used uh, to work from your own space. For example, that uh, you are controlling your uh, office computers or maybe some workstation by sitting at your home. So in that case, uh, you can relatively control your PCs or maybe use a workstation based on your house. And then if you can get access to those platforms, uh, you can work virtually or or maybe the teams are virtual nowadays like Zoom and all those teams platform. But i think in the future another goal will be to make these uh, trainings possible with as i already said the trainings possible with the, with the help of these vr headsets and then multi user training and and all those stuff and then you can also employ these devices for children's education like if somebody wants to uh, visualize an object in the biology lessons we when we were taught we were not given actually a lessons in 3d or yes. uh, Trying to visualize the human body with different parts moving around them, so I think uh, in that sense it's it's good uh, in the different user cases. And then who knows if you if some technicians wants to, uh, he was uh, he was so busy that he wants to comes to the spot. And if somebody else is using that uh, technology and uh, making it integrated in the in the form that he can actually uh, make a video call, and then he can actually access that place uh, remotely by using this technology, and then he knows that the technician don't knows which, which buttons to choose, then the, 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 the other person can guide him through that. So in that sense, it's uh, yeah. it's quite benefited uh, to you... the scientific community.
0: Do you think that, uh, that these technologies are going to be used in like all of education in the future? Um... Yeah, why
1: not? Because I think uh, in, in, in case of the medical schools also, in case of the normal schools also, eventually in India, I started seeing that in schools, the, the all the lessons are given in AR nowadays. So that was quite interesting to see that the people were engaging with those uh, devices themselves. So the future of education or future of the training be called into this into, in this technology
0: this is um this is i think one of the most exciting technologies of our decade um other than maybe ai and some other you know
1: and uh, if you follow this gartner hype height cycle it shows that between 2020 and 2030 uh, this will take a plateau level like plateau curve of the, these technologies like ai deep learning machine learning iots and 6g and ar vr mr so th- these all are on the same channel so it's quite important to understand that next decade will be the decade of all these
0: and thank you so much i think that's um i think this is uh, enough do you have anything else that you <laughs> want to talk about or no
1: i think i think that was that was all i have to say about uh, for now uh, okay. it's okay, okay. And, and thank you Yeah. Thank you, Fong, for giving me this opportunity. Thank you.
0: No problem. Thank you so much. Bye.